This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 274, recorded on Thursday, July the 7th, 2016. July. Yes, sir. We have been trying to bang out a podcast all week. We tried for Monday. That didn't work. We thought about Tuesday, but that never really worked. We scheduled for Wednesday, but that didn't work. And then it did work, but by that time it was too late. And now it's Thursday. And it's a good thing it didn't work because I had a power outage here last night on Wednesday from about 8.30 till till about 10.30, 10.30, 11. That's right. uh, Prime podcasting time. Prime podcasting time. Apparently, according to the Viridian website, it was due to a traffic accident. Really? A car knocked down a pole or something and you had no power. That's right. Between 500 and 5,000 customers, it said. (laughs) <laughs> that's a pretty big range. Well, it's just it's just a category, right? It's like less than 50, right. uh, 50 to 500, 500 to 5,000, and 5,000 plus. Got it. So that was just a, between 500 and 5,000. They had dispatch crews, so either they shut down the power because they didn't want, uh, you know, say a car was on fire right next to a power line, they'd shut down the power just in case. Makes sense. Right? Or somebody smashed into a pole and the pole fell down and fucked everything up. <laughs> But either way, we were out of power for a while, and I had to watch YouTube on my phone like a chump all night. <laughs> oh, no TV for Jason. No TV, just YouTube. Well, what Netflix, I suppose. That would have been a bummer because we would have been probably right in the middle of recording if that had happened. Yeah. Uh, we're having some thunderstorms in the area tonight, so maybe we'll be lucky and lose power again. Maybe. Maybe I'll lose power tonight. Let's hope yeah. not. Yeah. I do have the UPS plugged in, but it's it won't last long if the power goes out. So let's hope. Um, my sump pump broke today, sort mm-hmm. of. So I had to come home early and deal with that. Uh, unf- luckily that doesn't affect the, uh, the podcast very much. It's, it's not a podcast pump. It's a sump pump. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's not, it doesn't keep the podcast, you know, water free. Right. Um, we have other methods for doing that. Well, it pump. you know, you have to have a podcast pump to pump the podcast through the internet tubes, right? Cause how else are you going to get the podcast through the tubes? You're going to use a podcast pump. That's very good. In fact, I'm going to start a website, podcastpump.com. There's a, yep. there's an idea in there somewhere. There sure is. <laughs> we got to do that. All right. Well, speaking of podcast pumping, let's uh, let's take a little quick look back at the last time we recorded a podcast. Sure. And that was back at the end of June, a couple of weeks ago, when we sat here and watched to or watched the entire podcast awards be handed out. Mm-hmm. That was fun. It was a good time. Almost. Almost a good time. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you remember, but uh, so they announced us as the winner in the TV they and sure did. Well, one guy did. <laughs> I don't know if they announced it, but this one guy announced us as the winner. Yeah, that's right. And then it turns out that was an error. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that happened. And what are you going to do? I mean, mistakes are, are made. That's just the way it goes. But it's the internet. You can't trust the internet. No, you can't trust the internet at all. Um, But it was um, talked about somewhat. And we did get mentioned on another notable podcast because because this happened. So I'm going to play the clip of that right now. And this is from The Morning Stream, hosted by Scott Johnson and Brian Ibbett over on the Frog Pants Network. 
Here is my favorite part, though. My my favorite goof of the night. And the winner is the Talking Dead podcast. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know exactly. I can tell you exactly why that happened. Okay, so we got the wrong winner to announce what happened. Right. And details? it wasn't because uh, Todd sent the wrong thing, because they even went back and forth. No, oh, I see the email that I sent you, and it's Ooh. the right thing. No, but when, because uh, I received, I had to get a thing with the bio, with the nominees, and then with the winner, right? Yeah. And the um, the nominees come in like a copied out of a spreadsheet kind of thing. Yeah. And the way it gets copied out of the spreadsheet, the bottom row on all of them was highlighted. Mm. So that gave you the impression that that is the winner, right? Because that oh. one's highlighted. It's just the way it got copied and pasted from Todd's spreadsheet, I guess. Yeah. And so, um, that was so a, that, was a that is the last item on that in that row. And I'm guessing he said, "Oh, that's the highlighted one. That must be the winner." <laughs> yeah, it was. It was kind of a lot of that sort of thing. So there you go. So Brian Ibbett was on the show. He was not presenting our category, but he was presenting another category. So he has some insight into how the whole thing worked and went down. And it comes down to us being sort of the victims of a copy-paste error, like you said, but not that, you know, the presenter was sent our name by accident. The presenter was sent the list. And for whatever reason, the last row, which we were in, gets yep. highlighted in whatever format that text gets transferred in. So the guy reading them assumed that was the winner. And we were not. <laughs> we were not the winner. So, okay. So it was just an honest mistake made by an honest guy. And uh, they probably just shouldn't have taken screen caps of the spreadsheet. They probably should have put it in such a format that it couldn't be mistaken uh, how, who actually won that category. Yeah, it, it sounds like the winner was sent in a separate email or whatever to the presenters. So they got the list of nominees and then they got the winner separately. So maybe that guy didn't receive that properly or he just got the list of nominees, saw that uh, our name highlighted and assumed he had everything he needed. But that's, I mean, it is what it is, but I, I was a nice to get the mention on, on the morning stream and B nice to hear somewhat of an explanation. So there you go. Yeah, that's good. And that seems like an organizational issue. Like uh, when you are sending something to someone that is critical, that they understand the information that they're receiving, uh, you have to make it blatantly obvious. Right. Because the rule of thumb is when you send an email, it's being read by idiots. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's generally being read by a mouth breather. Yes, it's being read by somebody who is, A, not paying attention. He's doing something. That person, whoever you're sending that to, he or she, they are doing something else at the time. Uh -huh. You are interrupting whatever they're doing when they're reading that email, and they're not going to read it. They're going to read the first three words of whatever paragraph you've got, and they're going to scan down to the next one, and they're going to scan to the next one. And if you have more than three paragraphs, the gist of it is gone. Yeah, I have that problem. I tend to write verbose emails. To me, they they are valuable. It's valuable information. Yes. But I understand that to the receiver, it isn't necessarily. So often what I do is I write my verbose email. And then at the beginning, I do like a two sentence, too long, didn't read and put it in there and yeah. include the rest for people if they want to read it. Yeah, I have I have actually three ways of writing emails. One, I love bullet points. I love to make bullet points and title the bullet point. 
like bullet point and then something in bold with a period and then the description of whatever that item is. <laughs> That's one thing. The second thing is I I highlight the uh, or like I bold or underline the specific words. So you can just go bold word, bold word, bold word, bold word to get the gist of what you're doing. And the third thing is what you do that too long do, didn't read. I put in, you know, a couple of bunch of equal signs to create a, a, a break point. And I put uh-huh. a technical explanation, ignore, unless you're interested. And then I blah, 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 blah. And then end technical description and then give a recommendation or whatever it held at the end. So people can just skip most of it. There you go. Uh, well, th- anyways, that's, yeah. So that's good email advice from Jason, but also that's what happened at the podcast awards. Um, I promise everyone, we will get into walking dead news and feedback and stuff like that shortly. Um, but coming back to the podcast awards, I do want to just thank everybody one more time, uh, just for the massive outpouring of support that we got and all the kind words before and after the whole announcement debacle. Um, and I realized that, you know, all that means so much more to me than actually winning the award. Oh, yeah. It's just, just an honor to get nominated. Well, you know, not that, even that. that and, but like, yeah. it's just so nice to hear from everybody. We thank everyone so much for it. And I thought I'd read some of the stuff here because it's, oh, it's fun. So when I posted the episode last time on Facebook, people started listening and uh, posting comments. For example, Matt said, yeah, that was pretty shitty. The first few seconds were sweet though. Even without the (laughs) award, you guys are still aces. Awesome. (laughs) And uh, Donna said, I am so very sorry. My husband and I cheered when we were listening to the podcast and you guys had won, not won. We groaned at the poorly run podcast awards and how sad it was having all of us let down by the mistake. Bianca said, you're Miss Columbia. They owe you an apology. You're still number one in our hearts. She's, of course, referring to when uh, that jackass Steve Harvey, I think his name is, announced the wrong winner at the Miss World pageant. Well, I take I, I take a little bit. Uh, I, I don't think he, he's a jackass necessarily. Oh, look up his worldviews. Oh, is he a jackass in worldview-wise? I think. All I know is he's uh, he did that uh, Miss, what was it? I think it was Miss Universe or something because it was all the all the countries. So, yeah, so it was Miss Universe, you know. Fuck up. And that was a, a, a formatting error on the car that he had in front of him, right? Uh-huh. It wasn't clear. For some reason, he read the wrong name. It wasn't clear to him. They had to fix it, whatever. So that doesn't necessarily make him a jackass. That just makes the, the card reading capabilities of this guy and going over, you know, maybe they should have sat him down beforehand and said, okay, this is what the card's going to look like. These are going to be the nominees on this left-hand side. And right. there's one name on the right-hand side circled three times and highlighted yellow. That's the name you should read. That's not the name of the loser. <laughs> no, this is the loser. <laughs> yeah, so this is what the card's going to look like. These names are fake, but uh, you know you have on there Bill Bixby and uh, Spider Man and uh, you know Tony Stark are there just for examples because you know none of them could win Miss Universe. I don't think so. No, uh, but that doesn't necessarily make him an idiot. Idiot, but I've never looked up his world views. Does he have like some kind of idiotic well, world view? Like the world is flat. I don't want to and- get into that right now, but let me just say that he seems to have a lot of opinions that I disagree with wholeheartedly. Oh, okay. Well, um, but so that incident was related to our incident where the information was not transmitted in a clear way and he mis- misinterpreted it. Right. Because people are idiots. That's, idiots. They're just, you got to remember that whoever you're sending information to most likely will misunderstand it. Um, and then, uh, 
And then Rebecca on Facebook said, this sucks. It's no wonder this company donations. It's obviously very badly run. I wouldn't be too disappointed. You guys are the best. Uh, Rui on the internet wrote an email in said, don't be discouraged by the awards. There is really no correlation between winning and the quality of the podcast. Thank you for doing what you do. Me and all the other listeners love it. And finally, Craig on the internet wrote, on your last show, I waited with bated breath as they announced the winner for your category. The Talking Dead podcast was announced the winner, and I literally cheered like I had just won the fucking Super Bowl. No joke. I was screaming, <laughs> yeah, and fist pumping as I was driving my truck. Then the bad news slowly broke. As corny as it sounds, you are still winners in my book. Keep up the great work. <laughs> thank you. So thank you so much, everybody. It's it's so, so great uh, to hear from all of you, you know, regarding this and, and just everything else. Uh, in case anybody was wondering, because we brought it up last time, we will not be ordering a nominee trophy. Uh, primarily for the reason that the small trophy costs 250 bucks. Yeah, and the large trophy, it's our choice if we wanted one, costs 400 bucks. Well, how big is the large trophy? Well, and can I choose one without your okay? Can I choose to do this with it? Uh... Yeah, yeah. If you really want to do it, go for it, man. Well, how but, big is the large trophy? Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think you need a pickup truck to move it. I think you can probably carry it around in your arm. Oh, that's no fun. <laughs> I wanted something like stupid large. Yeah, I wanted yeah. something that I'd have to order and it comes in a big, big box and I'd have to say, I've got a major award. Won't fit and through then, your front door kind of thing? Yeah, well, I put it in the front door and then I crack it like it comes in a wooden box, much like Christmas Story when he got his major award. That's the kind of thing that I want. Right. Like I want a big box like that and it's like, what's in it? And I want the guy to shrug. Like, I don't know. And then, you know, go through all the straw and stuff and pull out this major award. And, well, uh, for 400 bucks, if it was that big, maybe it would be worth it. And if it lit up like a lamp of some kind? Yeah, better. yeah, yeah. And if it was shaped like a leg, then sure, why not? Yeah, electric sex all the way. <laughs> all the way. Okay, we. I promise we're going to move on really soon. But here's one more. Uh, this is a call. It comes from Wendy. And it's not actually podcast awards related. But it's just one more thing that I think... Uh, just proves how absolutely fantastic our listeners are and, you know, best, best listeners on the internet. And uh, this is what Wendy had to say. I, Wendy, Wendy, I really hope you don't mind me playing this on the air. Hi, Chris and Jason. It's Wendy in Wiltshire, England. Um, still loving the show. I re-listened to um, 268 and got to the end with the baby names bit. That was quite fun. On that subject, Jason, uh, congratulations, by the way. Um, generally, when one of my friends or colleagues has a baby, I make them a baby blanket. And I wondered if uh, you'd like me to do the same for you. Um, yeah, so let me know and I'll crack on. Love the show. Keep it up. And um, speak again soon, I expect. Love you. Bye. So, Jason, the question really is, and I don't know, I don't think you have to answer it right now, but. Do you want Wendy to crack on or not? I would love that. That yeah. would be absolutely amazing. Okay. Well, I'll, uh, I'll, Wendy, if you're listening, which I hope you are, assume you are, um, I think Jason would prefer you to crack on, but I will, I'll, uh, hook him up with your email address. And, yeah, that'd uh, be, that'd be fantastic. You guys can, can, I mean, work we don't the know details. the gender, so the, the color would have to be neutral, but, uh, other than that. Cool. 
Very exciting. See? That, that'd be great. Best listeners in the world, man. Absolutely. By far. By not a little bit. Not even a little bit. All right. Let's get into the next segment. Here we go. Listener feedback. All right. A little bit of listener feedback here. Some of it relating to uh, last week and uh, some not. But Rosie on the internet writes regarding Nick and Norman's, the restaurant. Mm-hmm. She says, Nick and Norman's is scheduled to open this week which would have been last week, I think. But don't expect a full-on zombie atmosphere. The collaborators said they decked out the restaurant in a style more suited to a 1930s speakeasy. The menu includes gourmet burgers, steaks, and seafood. And uh, yeah, that's it. And so I, I just wanted to read that to sort of clear up what you could expect going to Nick and Norman's. And I recently booked my hotel in Atlanta for Walker Stalker Con in October. Cool. And I am planning, if at all possible, to take a drive down to Sonoy to visit the restaurant to, uh, you know, not only try it out, but also see how the town has changed since you and I went there. Yeah. How well, many... I'm, I'm jealous. I would like to go, because that breakfast we had there was excellent. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, we had breakfast. We had grits. It was the first time I ever had grits. That was, it was really It was good. really nice. That was good. That was such a, how many years ago was that? That was way too many years ago. What was that like season? That was like 30, 40 years ago that now it feels like. <laughs> yeah, that's right, man. It does feel like a long time ago. Um, I think it was, what, four years ago? Yeah, something like something that. Something like that. It was amazing. That was such a fun time. Walker Stalker Con Atlanta is the big one. It's the original. We, You and I went to the first one. Haven't been back since, although I've been to three or four since then. Um, but Atlanta, it's it's going to be a party. So, you know. It's too bad you can't make it, but I wish you could change your mind somehow. Yeah, no, well, I would go if it was up to me. Maybe that blanket, the baby blanket Wendy makes, is going to be enough to leave at home for a few days while you go to Atlanta. That's right. See? Yeah, there's a really good chance that 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 probably will be the case. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I just imagine. Of course. Uh, All right, Stephen in Canberra, Australia. He wrote in and... Uh, he kind of questioned your your statement that everything William Shatner has ever done is amazing. <laughs> I, well, I didn't say amazing. I said turns to gold. He makes money, and it, anyway, <laughs> he sent he sent this clip, uh, which I'm not going to preface. I'm just going to play. So you need to listen to this and respond to it. I knew it'd be a song. It's a live version. In a jingle, jangle morning, I'll come following to. Hey. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man. Mr. Tambourine Man. Mr. Tambourine Man. How is that not awesome? So Shatner doing Mr. Tambourine Man, sort of doing Mr. Tambourine Man. No, he's doing it. He's He's, kicking the shit out of it. He's murdering that song is what he's doing. Come on, listen to the crowd. There was a crowd in in that audience, and they were all cheering because that was fucking awesome. (laughs) I'm not sure about that, but... This proves my point. All right. <laughs> Maybe you're right. 
<laughs> Thank you, Stephen in Canberra, Australia, though, for for sending that in. That was Shatner's a kook. He's a he's made he's shifted his entire career into being a kook, mm-hmm. and how nobody can do that except Shatner. Yeah. It's the true. whole reason he's famous in the last 30 years is because he's just this crazy Canadian jerk that just goes out and does weird stuff and everybody loves it. Not everybody. So so he he was smart on people. he was on Star Trek. Correct. And then he turned into a kook. Sort of. He did TJ Hooker first. Okay. That was And then he sort of, you know, shifted into being a kook and when he was doing Boston Legal, he was full on crazy. All right. Kooky. Well, He's... And he was a Canadian Shakespearean actor before he did Star Trek. God, he must be like a thousand years old. He's like 80-something. He's old. What part of Canada is he from? Montreal. Oh, there you go. Speaks fluent French. Good for him. Never heard the never heard the chat speak French, though. I've never heard it either, but uh, apparently he does. Apparently it's true. All right, one more email. Jennifer in Orange, the city, not the fruit, she says, writes, I was listening to your season six wrap-up crossover episode specifically your discussion about the cliffhanger, in quotes, and how the writers should handle it when the show returns. I was thinking that the extreme violence of actually bashing in someone's head might be too much to show, and that it would be a disappointing conclusion after waiting to find out who was killed. So my thought is that it might be an interesting reveal if they basically re-showed much of Negan's speech, or at least the eeny, meeny, miny, moe part. And when he started actually beating the person, the camera jumps to each of our group's reactions, and we would see each person and slowly narrow down who was killed. Then maybe just see them lying face down at the end. Do you think that would be at least a semi-satisfying conclusion to this part of the story and the six-month wait? I think that's going to be a big part of the scene, is watching their people's reactions rather than watching the actual person being beat to death with the bat. But the main question is, are we going to know who's getting beaten to death while we see their reactions? Or are we going to see the reactions of the other characters before we know who's getting beaten to death and therefore, by process of elimination, be expected to figure it out, like Jennifer is uh, suggesting? I believe so. I think that's a very reasonable assumption. And... uh... Yeah, I would I would put that under the true fact category. And is it an artistic decision to do it that way, or is it is it a TV decision in that you know actually cracking someone's skull like that is a little too much to show up close? It's a little too much for television. Really, they've shown yeah. a lot, man. I mean, they it's zombies, not people. I know, they've seen, I know. They've seen people get shot. People get shot all the time. But, uh, you know, there's a big difference. You watch somebody on television get shot in the chest, and you're like, yeah, whatever. But you get watch somebody get uh, hit in the knees with a baseball bat, and everybody goes, oh. That's true. Right? It's true. So when you whack somebody, that's a very visceral, personal thing to beat somebody in the head with a baseball bat, and that's a very violent act to show on television. Yeah, well, I mean, you could be right. They didn't show us Lizzie actually getting shot. Now, that's a kid, right? Yeah. So there's 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 some things to consider there. Um, but they've shown us other characters. I mean, characters getting their neck torn out by a zombie. That's okay, but beat, yes. beat to death with a baseball bat's not. Blood force trauma is very violent. I mean, ne- uh, neck splitting with a knife, like neck slicing with a knife over a trough. That's okay? 
I'm just trying to figure out where the line is. I don't know. I don't know anybody. I don't know if anybody knows exactly where the line is, but uh, it's like one of those. Uh, well, I forget what the quote is, but I think it was a congressional hearing on uh, pornography. It's like, well, I can't define what pornography is, but I know it when I see it. And I think that's where the line is. Is it, it's uh, you can't really define where the line is, but you can you know when it's been crossed. And I feel personally that beating someone on the head repeatedly and bashing their brains in with a baseball bat with a barbed wire wrapped around it is crossing the line. Yeah, but it's also a a personal thing. Like you know, that might cross the line for you, but not for me. So they have to make their yeah. own decision on that. The, the... So I, I think it, I think it's too far for them to go. Okay, but it's just that's my opinion. I think. Uh, so I guess it all comes back down to the question, though: Why didn't they just do this in the season six finale? I mean, if that's what they were going to do, anyways, it feels like it would have been a lot more satisfying. But we got to wait. We got to wait to find out. And um, I I I agree. I think it's an okay idea. I don't think we have to necessarily see bat hit skull, at least not up close or you know, right in front of us. But I just hope that when the time comes to reveal to the audience who it is that's getting killed, they don't beat around the bush. They don't leave any question open. Like they, we know who it is. And I, you know, I don't want to be sitting there going, but, but was it per, you know, character A or character B kind of thing. Right. That would just make me more more angry. (laughs) And I don't need to be more angry right now, Jason. I just don't. No, you've got some pump issues, and that's just taking up all your anger. Oh, that and one or two other things going on right now. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, we will find out in October when The Walking Dead comes back. And uh, speaking of that, let's get into The Walking Dead news, because we got some news along those lines. Cool. The Walking Dead news. All right, The Walking Dead news. Um the first item here is that Ross Marquand, who plays hmm. um, Aaron, he knows who Negan killed. He does. He does. This is a news item, Jason. <laughs> Ross Marquand know who, knows who Negan killed. Why, I mean, did they send him a spreadsheet with a bunch of names on it and the bottom one was highlighted? <laughs> it must have been, yeah. It must be. <laughs> Um, I'm sure most, well, all of the cast must know by now if you're going on the assumption that they've filmed the scene. Um, but you know, I was thinking about this a little bit and we talked a couple episodes ago about how there was rumors of them filming a death scene with every one of the 11 characters that were there Yep, and how that seemed a little impractical and unlikely. Um, so, uh, you know, whether they, Assuming they wouldn't do that, I started thinking, well, maybe they would save that scene to film as late as they possibly could before season seven premieres. Like they shoot the episodes out of order for efficiency reasons, right? Maybe they've shot episode two, three, four, five, six, and, and most of one. And then they leave that opening scene or wherever that scene appears in the episode to shoot in like late September and then they just drop it into the episode right before it goes out. Yep. So it minimizes the time that, that the actual spoiler could get out there. Yeah, I would think so. I don't know. It seems like it would make sense. I don't know if the production schedule works that way or not, but, um, <clears throat> but maybe it would now having said all that, 
apparently Ross, Ross Marquand knows who it is. So he was interviewed by IGN.com and he was asked, do you know who was, who Negan killed? And he said, I personally, I do personally know, but we're obviously not at liberty to talk about that. Right. <laughs> obviously. Now I bring this up because he was also asked generally about season seven and what it's going to be like. And this is what he had to say. He goes, first and foremost, Negan's back and he's exciting. Secondly, we're going to see what the group can do with this new threat. It's just an entirely new world. And I think it's going to bring a lot of interesting characters to the forefront. We're also going to see a whole new world develop with Jesus at the hilltop, Jesus and the hilltop crew. It's a lot of good stuff coming. I'm excited. Yeah. I think every year somebody says it's a whole new world. Yeah, it's a, everybody's. Well, that's uh, they have to say that, right? Well, like, what that's does it why mean? they're on the press tour. That means that uh, it's exciting times. It's going to be fantastic. This is going to be the best year ever. You should be so excited. I can't wait for everybody to see this. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be a whole new world. Like it's you know we've been living in the the Walking Dead world for six years now, and every year it's all new. Yeah, it's not all nude. That'd be something different. It's all but, new. It, that also would be all new. Well, that would be new. Because they haven't done a whole season all nude before. No. So if they did it all nude now, that'd be very new. It'd be a lot of nudity. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Hey, man, if God wanted us to be naked, we would have been born that way. See? (laughs) Wise words from Jason Miles. Yeah. All right. The Walking Dead at San Diego Comic-Con. It is coming up in a couple of weeks. And uh, as you could probably guess, there will be Walking Dead related panels going on mm-hmm. at the event. Uh, I met somebody the other day who is going down for San Diego Comic-Con. And oh, fun. Uh, I told him that I've heard, I've never been, but I've heard that it is just wall to wall people like you can't even move in the place. And, you know, it just spills out into the streets of San Diego and there are just people everywhere. So... Look is forward it, to that. Is this person's first time being at San Diego Comic-Con? <clears throat> I, I'm not sure. I didn't get that information. But, uh, um, you know, I just wanted to make sure this he, he knew what he was getting into. Well, that would be terribly exciting. It would be cool. I would like to go. But, frankly, I would like to go, like, I don't know, five or six years ago when it wasn't quite <laughs> as insane. I want to go. I just don't want anybody else to go. <laughs> right. Just me and some select friends. It'd be great. And, you know, some extras to fill out the audience so that I don't feel like I'm alone because that'd be kind of weird. It'd be a little weird. I saw a movie all by myself in a theater once. That was a little weird. Yeah. I Uh, think I did. Me and whoever I was with saw the movie by ourselves. I think you and I went to a movie one time where it was just us. Maybe. Um, I went all by myself to that last Indiana Jones movie that was out a number of years ago. (laughs) Good times. Sucker. (laughs) (laughs) It was like six weeks into the release and like, it you know it was an afternoon on a Wednesday or something so so you knew full well that it was crap but yeah. you went anyway I'm like I gotta it's Indiana Jones I have to I have to give it a fair shake I gotta see yeah. it for myself that's kind of how I feel about Independence Day oh I've heard it's just so god awful but I'm oh not, yeah but the first one was bad too so you know I'm not expecting a whole lot but the first one was like good bad no it wasn't yes, it, it was, was horrible no no it, but it's no a, first Independence Day is a pretty good movie for like a big dumb action movie it's not bad wrong. No, it's no, and I don't agree with you. I've heard the new X Men movie's not great either, but I really want to see that if it's still in theaters. Well, yeah, that's the thing is these kind of things you have to see in the theater. All right, 
Anyways, we're talking about the Walking Dead panels at San Diego Comic-Con. So there's yes. a bunch. The first one is a Walking Dead comic panel. That's going to have Robert Kirkman and Charlie Adler at it. And it is going to be, in case you're wondering, in room 6DE at 4.30 p.m. on July 21st. And it's moderated by actor Jason Manzoukas, ah. whom you will recognize from shows like The League, where he played Raffi. That funny guy, Raffi, not one of the main characters. He's, he's a crazy black hair, showed up in a summit few episodes. Man, it's been too long since I've seen that show. All right. Well, he, you, you'd know him when you see him. He's on a few other things. Um, so that sounds fun if you're into the Walking Dead comic. Um, then there's a panel, which I couldn't really get a name for, but it sounds like it's Kirkman's TV shows because apparently they're going to talk about the Walking Dead and Outcast. And that will be attended by not only Robert Kirkman, but Skybound Entertainment CEO David Alpert, whom I did not realize was the CEO of Skybound because he's a producer on The Walking Dead as well. Oh, cool. I didn't know he was heading up Kirkman's company. That's going to be in the same room, 6DE, at 4.15 p.m. on July 23rd. And this is a cool one, too, because it's moderated by Yvette Nicole Brown. Do you know oh, wow. That? Do you know who that is? No. <laughs> <laughs> she played Shirley on Community. Oh, and, right. Okay, yeah. And she's a fantastic guest on AMC's Talking Dead every time she's on. Awesome. And just a, a, seems like the nicest person in the world, so I would like to hang out with her someday. I've seen her on TV. Yeah, Yvette Nicole Brown hosting that panel. That's good times. Okay, there's going to be a Fear the Walking Dead panel. This is where we get into the, the big boy panel panels. This one's in Hall H., at uh, 12 p.m., and I didn't write down the date, so I apologize for that. <laughs> One of the days. <laughs> One of the days. You know, just go at 12, or actually go there first thing in the morning and get in the line. Or the night before. These or days, the... I hear you have to hang out overnight. You should probably go now. Yeah. I'm going to guess, though, that that's maybe on the either the 21st or the 23rd, because the next panel is on the 22nd. Anyways, at the Fear the Walking Dead panel, we have Robert Kirkman, Gail Ann Hurd, Greg Nicotero, Dave Alpert. Those are producers and so on. Then in terms of the cast, we've got Kim Dickens, Cliff Curtis, Alicia Debnam Carey, Frank Delane, Lorenzo James, Henry, Mercedes Mason, Coleman Domingo, and Danae Garcia, whom I do not recognize, so maybe a new cast member. Oh, so that might be somebody who's being introduced in the second half of season two, which will start in August. Um, and, you know, maybe her character is going to be announced at the panel. That'd be fun. That would be fun. I'm going to look her up. That name sounds familiar to me. Well, it's Danae is similar to Danai Guerrera or, you know, Michonne, um, but Danae Garcia, <laughs> D-A-N-A-Y. See if you can find her while you're doing that. The Walking Dead panel. This is the main one. This is Friday, July 22nd in Hall H. That's the massive hall, of course. And attending will be Andrew Lincoln, Norman Reedus, Stephen Yun, Lauren Cohan, Denai Guerrera, Chandler Riggs, Michael Cudlitz, Sonequa Martin-Green, Christian Serratos, Ross Marquand, and Josh McDermott. Oh, cool. And also Scott M. Gimple, Robert Kirkman, Gail Ann Hurd, Greg Nicotero, and David Alpert. So Everybody. They've, they've got enough people there that they'll all get to say one or two words and then they'll have to wrap the thing up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hi, everybody say hi, go through and the hi, 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 hi. Okay, well, have a good day. We'll see you later. Yeah. Moderated by Chris Hardwick. And you know that guy likes to talk. Yeah. So he'll have to say a few things. Now, 
I think there's a notable absence from that list of actors. Who do you think? Do you think? Can you think of someone who's missing? Who you uh, think might be there this year? Richard Dean Anderson. He should be on every panel. No, no, no. It's another person with three names, though. Uh, it's, I'm I'm trying to remember his name. I know his name. I watched <laughs> him on a whole bunch of bunch of shows. I'm drawing a blank. It's um the guy who plays. More uh, Negan, not Morgan. Yeah. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. That's the name. So, that's what I meant by Richard Dean Anderson. Of course. Of course. Of course. How did I not put those two together? Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Negan. He's not listed. I'm thinking they're going to pull a surprise guest on us, and he'll walk out halfway through. Ah, uh, he's probably filming Watchmen too, or something. No, 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 no. They're not doing that. <laughs> I think he's going to be there. I think he's going to be a surprise. He's going to get the biggest cheer yeah. reaction from the audience he's going to come out carrying the baseball bat i'll bet you oh yeah okay okay I'm, on, I'm, Here, I'm in if i was them here's what i would do he comes out halfway through carries the baseball bat and light the, tap on each head as he goes by something like that and uh people will just go bonkers for that yeah there'll you know? be they'll have to clean up urine in the aisles they might they might you know, or if they if he doesn't just, you know, tap one each each character, just pick one. You want to start a controversy? He'll probably just go eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Maybe. Or you want to start a controversy? Just have him pick one randomly, go up behind them and like pretend to take a big swing. Because it'll mean nothing. But boy, will everybody think it means something. <laughs> That's true. That's very, very true. So I, th I think they could do something really fun with that. And then, of course, the other thing that's going to happen at the big Walking Dead panel is that the trailer for season seven will be released. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking it might be the most interesting Walking Dead season trailer we have to date just due to the whole cliffhanger thing. It's true. I'm extremely curious about how they're going to handle that you know, in the footage they show us. And of course, we will be covering it in great detail when it comes out. Frame by frame. Frame by freaking frame. Uh, all right. So if anyone goes to San Diego Comic-Con, let us know how it goes. We would love to hear about your experience. And if you're at the panels, that would be even more awesome. It would be fun to just hear what it's like in that room. Okay. Two new cast members for season seven, Jason. Cool, 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 cool. So this comes from, uh, well, this quote comes from tvline.com. Episode six will introduce two new characters. Naomi is a grandmotherly type who, having lost so many loved ones, is now willing to do whatever it takes not to have to bury any more. And Jenny, a sunny side up kind of teenager who is kind with a world weary toughness. What does sunny side up teenager mean? I think a teenager who's who's generally sees the the bright side of things. A happy-ish kind of person. Right. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. So when I started making my notes for this episode of the podcast, it was a few days ago, and that's all the information we had. But just yesterday, there was a report on who would be playing these two characters. But wait, there's more. <laughs> there is more. There are rumors. I believe these are only rumors at this point, but here's what we've got. So Naomi, and remember, Naomi and Jenny, these are not going to be the characters' names. They use, they use fake names in the casting calls. Yeah, it's going to be Bill and Steve, most likely. It could be, but, you know, they usually go with the same gender. Um, as I said, both are set to make their debut in Season 7, Episode 6, but uh, word is, rumor is, that Naomi will be played by Deborah May. 
she was on shows such as ER, Days of Our Lives, and the Larry Sanders Show. And she's been acting since the 70s, so she's been around for a while. Deborah May. May. Yes. Okay. All right. So uh, I don't sort of recognize her from anything necessarily, but uh, she's been How around a long May? time. How do you spell May? Is it M-A-E or M-A-Y? M-A-Y. M-A-Y. No, I got nothing. Deborah May. And then Jenny will be played by Sydney Park. Sydney has been on shows like Instant Mom, something I've never heard of, CSI New York, and That's So Raven. And, you know, she's much younger, playing a teenager, so she hasn't been acting quite as long. Her her uh, IMDb list is much shorter. Yep. But, don't uh, recognize her either. No, no, I don't know uh, either of these people really, but uh, if you've got any thoughts on them, let us know. Um, and as I said, these are just rumors at this point, but... Um, you never know what might happen. Um, now, speaking of cast members, four of our cast members, or four cast members, have been promoted to series regular. Oh, good. And, you know, just for fun, I'm going to let you try to guess who they are. So four cast members promoted to series regular. I think you can probably guess two of them. Uh, no. You just... can. Come on. One of them we already talked about. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Correct. And somebody the, who was a regular, who is, or sorry, a special guest star. Who's well, not a regular. Previously, they were called recurring characters, recurring but now they're character. series regulars. So Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Negan is one. He's he's been in one scene, and he's already a series regular. And Jesus, the guy who plays Jesus, Tom, Tom Payne, the guy who plays Jesus. All right, so I got two. That, those my, are the that's two. my quota. So tell me the other ones. The other ones are Austin Emilio, who played Dwight. Oh, good. Plays Dwight. And Xander Berkeley, who played Gregory at the Hilltop. Oh, cool. So it seems like Dwight and, like, I'm not surprised about Jeffrey D. Morgan and Tom Payne, but it seems like maybe Dwight and uh, Gregory are going to have a bigger role in season seven. And that makes sense. I mean, they were just kind of introduced in season six, given little So the Hilltop is going to be more of a significant location in this season. I would think so. The Hilltop will be a significant location. Gregory, I mean, if it's not, I mean, it just means that Gregory is is kind of joining the, joining the storyline, kind of, joining the main cast. Now, according to The Hollywood Reporter, that brings the full-time cast up to 20. Wow. And I don't that's have the, lost proportions. I don't have the full list here, but you're right. And that's an all-time high for The Walking Dead, apparently. That's fantastic. Is it? Is it though? I mean, one of the things I have wondered in the last season or two is, does this show have too many regular characters? Are I feel like sometimes series regulars who you'd think would would be, you know, around a lot, are gone for multiple episodes at a time. You know, I'm not going to mention any names, Maggie, but I feel like I feel like they disappear a lot. Like, is is twenty series regulars too many? I don't know. It might be for me. I I don't think so. I think it's fine. You know, shake things up, move things around. You get bored with looking at a single person for, uh, you know, after a whole bunch of episodes. Like, look at 24, you know, with Kiefer Sutherland. You got to look at that guy's mug every episode for 24 episodes. He's never not in an episode. These guy's never not on screen, probably. Yeah, so that's uh, that's a tough thing to do to an actor. And, uh, you know, you can get tired of it after a while. I suppose. Pose, but at the same time, I feel like we're missing people. And maybe, I don't know, I, I suppose if handled really well, storytelling pers- perspective, 20 is 
is fine. I yeah. can't say I ever felt like this way on Lost. And like you said, there was tons of characters on Lost. And they added more every season. Mm-hmm. Like they just kept adding people and adding people and adding people. By the end of the thing, there was like too many people. There was way, way too many people. No, you're you're absolutely right. Um, I have I have a concern that The Walking Dead is doing the same thing though. They're just adding more people on. Now, as we know, one of those series regulars is going to have his head bashed in probably in <laughs> season seven, episode one. So we're going to be down to nineteen pretty quick. So yeah, it's going to go back. Whoever that is is going to go recurring. Because they're going to have flashbacks, right? Oh, yeah, probably. Or deal with the body or maybe have a picture of them or something. Yeah, that's right. They're recurring in photographs. <laughs> yeah, well, you have to. You have to credit them if they're going to appear in a photograph. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. So, anyways, uh, we will lose the one. But as it stands right now, we've got 20 series regulars. Quite a few. All right. Um, the permanent Walking Dead attraction has now opened at Universal Studios Hollywood. Thank you. God, it is a giant Walking Dead amusement park ride, basically. I think it's uh, kind of a combination between ride and haunted house. Uh, but it opened on the 4th of July. <laughs> sort, of, sort of like it's a small world. I've been on that at Disney uh, Land in Florida. Which one's in yeah, Florida? Land or World? Disney World. Disney World. I've been on the small world ride at Disney World. Yeah, I, I think of, I've never been. But I think of it as a combination of ride and haunted horror house. Well, it's, yeah. For kids. It is for kids. That isn't a horror at all. And boy, did my kids love it when we were there like five years ago. Whatever it was. Uh, So Yahoo had this to write about the, the Universal Studios Walking Dead attraction. They said, visitors will fight for survival in the attraction's fully immersive journey while navigating through a world overrun by hungry walkers. Walker's capitalized, by the way. Mm-hmm. The Walking Dead attraction recreates iconic show locales such as the West Georgia Correctional Facility and Terminus, the cannibal community that still gives us nightmares. The iconic dead inside doors, including grasping, snarling zombie hands, are featured as guests wait to enter the ride, making for the perfect selfie. During the actual experience, guests follow in survivors' footsteps and fight their way through these nightmarish, iconic landscapes. So I think you're actually walking through this. I don't know if it's a, it's like get in a, get in some kind of vehicle and and drive through. I don't think so. You're actually walking through it, interacting with stuff, you know, being scared. And it's a, it's a combination of animatronic zombies and real live actors. I read somewhere else that they have a crew of zombie extras that will rotate in and out every 45 minutes. So you, cool. you work for 45 minutes, scaring people, go take a break, come back later kind of thing. I think walking through something makes it a really crappy ride, in my opinion. Well, it is more of an, they keep calling it an attraction, not a ride. Okay. So if it, yeah, they can't call it a ride unless you get a ride. It's like, you want a ride and then make them walk. Right. Yeah. So if you, you know, you ask your kids tomorrow if they want a ride to school and if they say, yeah, that'd be great. And then you say, okay, see you later. And make them walk. We're going to walk. <laughs> <laughs> you, you make a very good point there. Uh, Greg Nicotero said, after six years of working on the show, we have a great opportunity to take The Walking Dead out of the studio, off the soundstage, and put it into the attraction at Universal Studios Hollywood, where guests can come face-to-face with The Walking Dead. So really, Jason, the only question is this. I'm going to be in Los Angeles at the beginning of... August. Right. Should I go and try to do this attraction? 
It depends. Are you uh, are you going with the whole fam family? Yes. Then yes, you'll have to leave the kids somewhere, right? I will. Like you're not going to take them into this this ride and make them walk. I'm not sure they're even allowed. I don't know if there's an age limit, but they wouldn't like it anyways. They'd probably be afraid just to like walk up to the front gate. They're kind of right. wimpy. So you just make them wait outside. So like, I'm, I'm going in this thing here. It's probably going to be pretty crappy, so you won't want to come in. So you wait here, and I'll uh, I'll be back in 10 minutes. Well, I'm probably a lot longer by the time I stand in the lineup and go through it and then get out. But they'll stay with my wife, and I'll go do it. The only downside is I don't have anyone to go through it with. So, you know, you, it's fun to have that shared experience with someone. I'm going to be all by myself. Bring handcuffs. You just, you know, handcuff your kids to something. Nobody will take them. They're handcuffed. Or or maybe our friend that we're visiting in L.A. will come with me. That might be a good idea. Babysitter. <laughs> Babysitter. Unless you don't want to go with your wife and you want to go with your friend. No, I, I either way would work. would be fine. Um, it, it's, yeah. We have to bring the kids to Universal Studios because there's lots of stuff for them to do there. And I don't know if you can, like, bring a babysitter. I suppose you could, but you have to pay for her. No, you, you bring yeah, your him, friend and you him. make her wait outside while you go with your wife. Yeah, well, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I, I don't know. If we go and do it, I'll try to do it. But if any listeners have done it or are planning to, uh, let us know. Let us know what it's like. Tell me if I should go and experience it for myself. I, I want to know. Anyways, that's open now. Go check it out. Um, a few more, a couple more items. The Walking Dead, you know that The Walking Dead has everything in the universe. Like what I mean by that is you can get Walking Dead themed everything these days. Right. Birthday cakes, candles, books, uh, action figures, uh, stickers, various board games, trading cards, T-shirts, hats, all kinds of stuff. Um, Not to mention comic books, TV shows and whatever else. Um, But coloring books. You can now get Walking Dead adult coloring books. Coloring books for adults are becoming very, very popular. Oh, they sure are. And I Got to admit, I don't really get it. Oh, I do. I totally get it. I've never really used them, but I can understand the, uh, uh, you know, the sitting down and with your pencil crayons or what have you, and just kind of taking that time to relax and just, you know, zen out and just kind of uh, do something rhythmic and uh, ritualistic and just relaxing. I can totally see how that can be appealing. But people have been doing that sort of thing for for years in other ways. Why all of a sudden coloring books? Because why not? Reminds you of when you were a kid. Yeah, okay. It's you... a throwback to being a kid. Like, what kind of things were you thinking of? Like, zoning out and, you know, smoking a couple of bowls and uh, <laughs> sitting back and watching SpongeBob? Uh, I guess that's one way. But people have been doing <laughs> yoga. People have been meditating. People have been, you know, bird watching they've been taking walks in the forest i mean people do all kinds of things to relax oh, coloring books are so much cheaper than any of that other crap uh not really i bet you taking a walk in the forest is cheaper than buying a 30 dollar coloring book you can't do that sitting down no you can true. color while you're sitting down it's just it's it's cheap it's easy and you can do it while drinking a beer how about that's, reading a book that's the same thing not not necessarily this is reading a book. Yes, I can understand the appeal of that, but I can totally get on board with this uh, with this coloring thing. All right, everyone, we're going to get Jason a Walking Dead coloring book, and then he's going to have to share his coloring jobs with us. Okay, I just warn you, I am very very good at coloring inside the lines. Well, I think that's what you want. 
in this case. Not necessarily. Some people color outside the lines, and that's fine. Oh, totally. But I'm very... Uh, You're an inside-the-line kind of guy. I'm a very inside-the-line kind of coloring guy. Okay. Well, um, adult coloring books for The Walking Dead. So one came out apparently back on May 4th, the first one. Mm, may the 4th be with you. Yep. And there is a couple more on the way. Um in September, on the 20th, we're going to get the Walking Dead coloring book TV show version. So it's going to have scenes from the TV show done in line art that you can color in. And then sometime in October, we're getting the Walking Dead Rick Grimes coloring book. So I think this is all scenes from the comic or panels from the comic involving Rick Grimes. Oh, you can just get your comic book and color that. It's black and white. Yeah, you could. Grab some pencil crayons and go at it. Except it's, you know, shaded and stuff. This will be straight line art. Of ah, you can color shouldn't in. stop you. No, I, I guess not. I'm going to go color my Walking Dead coloring books. <laughs> go, go take out your Walking Dead issue number one, original printing, and color that in. Oh, man, if I had that, <laughs> I'd be so happy. I saw the, uh, the first appearance of Michonne at a comic book store a little while ago, and it was like 600 bucks. No shit. 600 bucks just like uh, graded? It was graded, yeah. And not like, like signed or anything? It wasn't signed or anything. It was graded and in a plastic uh, box. Do you remember what issue number that was? No, I don't. No, neither do I. But um, I've seen it too, and I've seen some older Walking Dead ones. Um, I forget what my collection goes back to, but it's somewhere, I think, in the 50s or 60s. So, uh, you know, I have two-thirds of the of the uh, complete collection original comics. There's some money there. Eh, maybe not much. There's There may be some money in the old, like, Spider-Man comics I have, but probably not much either. <laughs> yeah. Or my Wolverine number one from the 80s. You have that? <laughs> yeah, two of them. Nice. Bo- boarded and everything. Maybe in very good condition. I keep talking to my local comic book guy about bringing in my collection, having him help me decide if any of them are worth grading or, or mounting or whatever you call it and, and either selling or hanging on to, but I never get around to it. So maybe I'll do that someday. Uh, so walking dead coloring books, if you want them, they're available at bookstores and probably Amazon near you. Um, we recommend you use Amazon to buy your walking dead coloring books and use our Amazon link at uh, talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon. I'm going to order one right now. Very good. Um, finally, Jason, you in the market for a house? No. Well, if you uh, were, yep. you could buy Rick Grimes' house. Rick Grimes' house, not the one from the comic book, because that's an imaginary house. You're talking about the set house that they used in the pilot episode of the television show. I sure am. I don't know if it's actually still on the market, but as of making this news, uh, the three-bedroom, two-bathroom house, uh, as seen in season one of the drama series as the setting for Sheriff Rick Grimes' home, is on the market for $659,000. As seen? Does that mean it's all dilapidated and run down? No, it's been, it's been, uh, <laughs> no, it has been uh, updated. We just left it. Yeah, we, we just, just left you know, it there. We left it because, you know, people want to buy it as they saw it, so... We just left it. It's. It looks, I saw a side-by-side of what the house looks like now and what it looked like in the episode. It's rather different. It was much more rundown in the episode. In fact, even the front um, yard landscaping was different. Before there was a path and some steps. Now there's just a path and nice grass and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's for sale. Apparently it's a 2,156 square foot property 
boasting a large front porch and is located in the heart of one of Atlanta's oldest neighborhoods, Grant Park. Nice. So if you were looking for a house in Grant Park for $659,000. U.S.? Yeah, U.S. That means a lot to us uh, as Canadians. Um, that could be yours. It, I mean, I got to say, it's a beautiful house. Like, Oh, I'm sure. All the photos of all the renovations and all that. It is a beautiful house. Um, you know, and, when they, you know, uh, when they announce filming around for the walking dead, they tell you to not cut your lawn and just let everything go. So that, yep. uh, it, uh, yeah. So I'm assuming that they're going to be filming the walking dead in my yard. So in my neighborhood. So I just let the lawn go for a little while. So <laughs> right. that I'm, I'm ahead of the curve. There you go. Yeah. One of these days they'll show up and be like, this is the perfect location. <laughs> that guy never cuts his grass at all. Look at that frigging heap there. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I'm just assuming. That's what I tell my wife too. Honey, cut the grass. No, no, no. They're filming next week. <laughs> no, they might come film. They, yeah, yeah. We need to uh, we need to be ready for when they film uh, some kind of apocalyptic, uh, post-apocalyptic, uh, you know, movie yep. in this neighborhood. So yeah, I'm yeah. just assuming that. Yep. Well, um, just so you know, uh, the home also boasts two working fireplaces, uh, a new chef's kitchen, eleven foot ceilings, a clawfoot tub, dry bar heart pine floors and a covered back deck that's accessed through two sets of French doors. So it's a, it's a really nice house. It does. I want the tub, the clawfoot tub. Yeah. I've been, uh, I've been trying to convince my wife to let me put in a, a nice big clawfoot tub, but we don't have a bathroom that's anywhere near big enough to fit that. So what I'd have to do is I'd have to rip out a wall and turn one of the bedrooms into a bathroom. Like right, extend the bathroom into an entire other room, but then, but then the bathroom would be too big. I don't know. We put a big clawfoot tub in there and a shower and like three sinks and a couple of toilets, a couple of toilets because you know, yeah, share everything. We're married. <laughs> That's right, man. <laughs> I don't need to hear about that. Um, you'd have to, but you need the room for the you need that bedroom for the baby. That's the baby's room, yes. So there's challenges. I'll grant you know I'll give it to you. There's definitely challenges in this design, but uh, or I, I would love to put in a, a big big bathtub. I got another idea for you. What's that? Put in the clawfoot tub and get rid of everything else. You can do everything in that bathtub. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I was, I was also asking you, know, maybe what I could just do is just put a bathtub in our bedroom. Yeah. Just the tub. Just put the tub. I don't even need to hook up taps. You just you know, want it there. Like, just fill it up, you know, <laughs> run a hose from the bathroom, <laughs> fill it up <laughs> somehow, and then drain it once a year. I don't know. I haven't <laughs> thought this through entirely, but uh, <laughs> just no, put it in the bedroom. Go get a clawfoot tub, put it out in your backyard, fill it with dirt and grow nice flowers in it. Oh, yeah. I was thinking of doing that too. You know, if I get a clawfoot, clawfoot tub, I could bury half of it standing up in the front yard and put in a, in a, a nice statue of the Virgin Mary or something. Perfect. That seems just like you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, the house could be yours, Jason, if you want it um, uh, for the low, low price of $660,000 US. Nice. All right, um, that's all for the news. That is it for The Walking Dead. This podcast has been a little bit all over the place. We've talked about clawfoot bathtubs. We've talked about, uh, I don't know, all kinds of stuff, podcast awards and so on. We're now going to review a movie. And (laughs) (laughs) And now something different. And now for something completely different. And the reason we're doing this is because it's 
kind of fun. I understand, though, if not everybody is is into this, uh, it's not a zombie movie. It is a thriller, but it's not related to zombies at all. And it's a movie I've been looking for an excuse to watch for a long time because I did watch it years ago. And then I noticed it in my iTunes library and was like, you know, I got to revisit that. And I think maybe it would be fun to talk about it on the podcast. So if you're not into that and you're going to turn us off now, um, let me just say thank you for listening. We will be back maybe one more time before the, uh, what what are they called, Comic-Con to talk about the trailer. But maybe not. Our next episode might be for the trailer, so we'll see. Um, but if you're going to tune out now, that's okay. Uh, but I hope you stick with us because we are going to talk about a 2004 Spanish film called The Uninvited Guest. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a movie written and directed by a guy named, named uh, Guillaume, Guillaume Morales, I think. G-U-I-L-L-E-M-E. I'm terrible butchering that probably. Um Written and directed, he's directed a few other things. He's written a few other things, but he's a Spanish director, and really I don't know anything else about him. Um, but I wanted to watch this movie, or I seeked out this movie many years ago because it sounded kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm into this sort of thing. So here's the plot summary from IMDb, or at least part of it. It says, what if you let a stranger into your house to use your phone? But while you're patiently waiting in the kitchen, he just disappears. Or does he? (laughs) Right. So the idea here is that it's kind of a home invasion film in that the basic premise is, as it said, a guy comes to the door to use the phone, comes in, and then disappears. And the central question is, is he still there? Is anybody still there? Is the person living in this house who answered the door to let him in going crazy? Was he already crazy? And it's plays out like a thriller, right? Very suspenseful tension filled thriller of a movie. So I kind of, that, that plot summary intrigued me all those years ago and I watched back then, but I guess it didn't make that much of an impression on me because there was very little. I remembered watching it a second time. Um, (laughs) you know, from that original viewing. So I have two questions for you. Sure. One is how spoilery can we be in the discussion of this movie? Oh, well, that's the question because this is the kind of movie where you, if you're, if someone's going to watch it, you really, really don't want to spoil it for them. Some movies, it's no big deal, right? Like if you tell someone the end of, of the Avengers movie, they save the world. Like who, who, who doesn't see that coming? You, you know, that whoa, going whoa, in, whoa, whoa there, <laughs> you know, that going in, but go each shawarma. This is Spoiler. different. <laughs> yeah. There's that too. Uh, <laughs> this is different. So I think we should just do very general. What did we think of it? And then maybe do a spoiler section after that, because okay. there's tons to talk about spoilery in spoilers. I found it boring. Boring. I found it boring. I suspense movies don't work on me because I don't get frightened. I don't get uh, excited. I don't get uh, just for some reason. It's just it's like dead air on the radio. It's just you know they're slowly panning from one area of the house to the other area of the house, and they're moving up the camera, slowly moving up the stairs to see what's going on up there. And it's just it's just come on. <laughs> Do something already. I, for me, horror movies and suspense movies, I can't watch by myself. 
because they don't work on me. I need to watch them in a crowd. I need to be with uh, specifically friend of the show, Dave. Watching horror movies with Dave is like one of the best things ever because he loves it so much. My battery's running low here. Hold on a sec. I got to plug my computer in. Good idea. Uh, hold on one second, folks. What was I talking about? You were saying that uh, horror movies or suspense movies don't work on you. Yeah, I don't. I kind of missed the point of a lot of horror movies or suspense movies because the suspense doesn't really work on me. So I have to watch it with other people that it does work on, that they do enjoy it. I would much rather watch this, uh, for, my, for example, my wife, uh, Jenny loves watching movies and she gets emotionally invested in movies. Watching movies with Jenny is fantastic because she just gets into it. She, you know, in a sad part, she cries, she laughs and she's, a, she's totally into it. She doesn't like horror movies because they're too rough on her. Because she does get into the suspense, and she can't, and she doesn't like it very much. So I didn't watch this with her. I watched it by myself, and it didn't work on me. But see, this I didn't is... have the suspense. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, I don't consider this a horror movie at all. This is this is a suspenseful thriller for me, and for me, it did work on me. Um, most of it, anyways, uh, which I guess we'll get to in spoilers a little bit. For, I spent but... the whole time trying to figure out what was going on. I was like, okay, somebody's dead. Like already dead. I couldn't figure out if the main character was already dead or if uh, another character in the movie. I was trying to pick, okay, what happens if this person is is dead and they're haunting the house? Mm -hmm. Or what if he is crazy? Or what if he's already dead and he's haunting the house and somebody else lives there? Like like the other movies have done that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was I spent the whole time trying to figure out everything. And by the end, I was like, what the fuck was that i don't and that's my second question for you uh and since we're not going to get very spoilery i'm going to get to this question in the second part that is spoilery and the question is what the hell what what the hell happened i don't understand okay well let's talk about that in a minute what i'll say is i thought this movie most a good portion of it worked really well for me i thought it was suspenseful um i felt the tension the creepiness stuff like that um you know Imagine, imagine being alone in your house where you're supposed to feel safe and protected, but you suspect there's somebody like hiding around every corner or behind every door and you hear noises, but it could just be regular house noises or, or anything like that. Like that is a really scary idea. And that kind of, that kind of got to me. I also liked how, how they, amp that up a little bit, especially near the beginning with um, like establishing shots of, of the camera slowly moving through a hallway or towards a door or something like that. That's just all kind of creaky, creepy stuff. And I thought it worked really well. Um, and then the whole movie felt very blue, right? It felt a lot of it takes place at night, but not exclusively, but it all felt very blue and gray. And I mean that literally like it had a blue tone to the whole thing. And it was just kind of a bleak sort of color scheme to the movie. And, and all that added up and I thought worked, worked really well to, to be suspenseful and tense. And, and I could feel it while I was watching it. So let me ask you a question. Okay. So you live in a house. Yes. You live in a house that uh, has three floors and a bunch of rooms. I mean, you have a bunch of people living there. So say, let's say you live by yourself. In this house. In I got a basement. In that house. Two stories above it. Yes, that's right. Basement, two stories above it. You're living in that house, and you're sitting on the main floor, and someone's walking around upstairs, very quietly on soft boots, 
sneaking from one room to the other. Okay. Do your floors creak? Big time. Yes. I have old hardwood floors. They creak like crazy. I live in a house that was built in 1975. I have creaking floors. Mm -hmm. In order for someone to sneak around inside my house without me knowing about it, it would have to be a perfect house. No creaking floors, no uh, hard shoes on wood surfaces. Right. They set that up in this movie, though. They set that up because this guy's an architect, and he even tells somebody in the film, he who comments on the beauty of the house, he built it and renovated it himself. So this is a brand new, like perfect house that is supposed to be silent. That works for the first half of the movie or the first third of the movie, the second and last third of the movies that doesn't work for. And to talk more about that and would be a little spoilery, but that does not work for the second part of this movie. I will agree with that. I will agree with that. But they, they introduced something else there that could help to explain it. But anyways, I'll just finish by saying that uh, I thought, you know, they did some interesting things like like the architect thing I was just going to mention. You know, they use that to explain why this guy's house is um, kind of, it, it's big. And, yeah, and lots of and nooks, nooks and new. crannies. It was a it was a neat house with yeah. like secret rooms and lots of uh, staircases. And He's got a bookshelf that opens into like a a work room for him and stuff. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Um, I also thought that it's really neat that <clears throat> you know a movie like this typically would be you know the the, the person being terrorized would be a woman. To be honest, right. I feel like typically, especially made in Hollywood, which this was not, this is a Spanish film, but a typical movie like this would be the main character is a woman and she's the one being victimized. In this case, it's not. It's it's a man who lives here. He's recently broken up with his girlfriend, so she's moved out and he's here by himself and he's the one being terrorized or so he thinks, which I thought was a was a refreshing kind of take on it a little bit, right? That was nice. That was that was nice. I was expecting a woman. Yeah. Frankly, just because of the way Hollywood would tell this story. I was mm-hmm. expecting uh, you know, a thriller to be a woman alone in a house with uh somebody creeping around. Yeah. And and even you know, even before I watched it, when I when I was looking at the 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 move the poster, the cover and stuff like that, I'm like, well it's gonna be a woman in a house being terror, terror, uh, terrorized, but it's not. So I think that was, that was really cool. Um, and then, uh, they did some other little things like, you know, the, the relationship that he's recently come out of, you don't know how, like he's not handling it very well. So that kind of, oh, neither is she. I mean, come on with mixed signals. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. They're, but they're all over the place. It's like, oh, I'm breaking up with you, but I still love you and need you and, and stuff, but go away. But Jesus, I'd really like to you know hang out with you and like, we'd be best <laughs> friends, but I never want to see you again. Sure. But it's like, holy crap. <laughs> yes. But that's, I mean, that happens. People get into scenarios like that in real life all the time. But I think from his perspective, from the main character's perspective, whose name is Felix, I think it's it's used well to kind of put him in a position where you're not sure of, he, like he's emotionally fragile right now. So is he making more out of his what he's experiencing than he should be? Is he just a little bit, you know, depressed right now? And that's why these things are, are getting to him more, stuff like that. Like, I think all these little bits added up to make it pretty... I mean, believable, maybe not the right word, but, but, you know, I can see how, I can see why this character starts to, 
to to lose his marbles a little bit as right. as the movie goes on because he's under a lot of emotional stress at the time. Yes, that's true. <clears throat> so that's all great. And 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 I really did like the tension of this movie. I recommend this movie, I would think. I think if you're interested in, in this kind of thing, I think you should find this if you can and and watch it. And I would recommend the movie even though you think it's boring. I don't think it's boring at all. Well, that's just, that's my fault. I don't it's not any uh i'm not talking about the movie at all like i i make no pretense that the movie is bad or good in this regard it's just this kind of thing does not work on me right unless you're in a crowd and a shared experience i need it to be a shared experience all right so if we'd gathered like 40 people and brought them over to your house it might have been different it would have it would have been different i would have been able probably to enjoy it more than i did watching it by myself (laughs) in my basement except you'd have 40 people in your house and be like get the hell out of here no no we'd go someplace and watch it in an appropriate environment for 40 people we wouldn't like pile into my basement and everybody sit on the floor while i project this on the on the well on the closet wall i guess is that what you did no that's what i would do if i had 40 people down here and they're not going to crowd around my laptop screen yeah okay (laughs) all right now so I recommend the movie. Jason may or may not. It didn't work on him. I think it was, it's definitely worth watching. Spoilers now for the uninvited guest, the 2004 Spanish film. <laughs> spoilers. If you don't want to hear spoilers about the uninvited guest, please tune out now. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. So spoilers. So okay. here's what happens basically in the film. The main character, Felix, for the first half to Two thirds of the movie is the victim. He is the one who's in the house who he thinks uh, is being terrorized by this other person hiding in his house that he can't find. And for the final third of the film, he becomes the person terrorizing someone in their house. That was that was good. I liked that part of the movie. He, I I liked it when he was in the house. He was at this point terror not terrorizing, but uh, it's a you know part, parts of it he was terrorizing her, but he was for some reason I don't quite understand his motivations was inside this house and sneaking around while this woman was living in the house uh, at the beginning wondering who else was in the house but eventually uh, they were like uh, Ozzy and Harriet uh, living in the house side by side only she didn't know he was there right so it's it's a half and half movie I I I call these right where it's almost like two different movies but they're related and these ones are related very strongly because we've got felix being going crazy in his own house being driven crazy by by someone he thinks is there and then he becomes that person um living in someone else's house so we kind of get the flipped uh perspective right right and And that's that's what i was talking about with the uh the second part of the movie uh, her house was not this immaculate uh, thing that was recreated and made solid and perfect. That's right. It was creaky, and it had wooden floors, and he had magic shoes that sometimes were as silent as the night, and other times were clomp, 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 clomp. Well, yeah, I thought about that too. I never really thought they were that loud, but um, she's in a wheelchair, and she has a uh, – so she's not – you know, as mobile as someone else. She can't go up and down stairs as easily, but she has one of those um, 
what do you call stair those lifts. things? A uh, stair lift thing, yeah, where yeah. she sits in it and it goes up and down. So there are other noises in this house that he can use to cover his tracks. And if you notice, there's a scene where he's in the bathroom of her house and he times closing the window. Is it the bathroom? He times closing the window at the same moment she closes the front door to disguise the noise. And I yes. thought that was, ni- again, nice little touches that kind of explained how he was able to do this. After he was taking a shower while she was taking the uh, laundry in from the line outside. That's right. But that's <laughs> it, like, that was amazing. Like, this is the kind of thing that has to happen if you're going to secretly live in someone else's house while they are there. And like, I'm telling you, this is a scary as shit idea to think that if you're home alone, there could be someone like hiding in an upstairs bedroom while you're downstairs watching TV or making dinner. Yeah. Right? I'd hear them. I hear the cats. I know they're, they're, the, <laughs> our cat, Rosie, who is the small cat, she only weighs like eight pounds. She sleeps in a basket on top of a wardrobe in our, in our bedroom. That's, that's, her, that's her bed spot. She sleeps there, and we can be downstairs in the living room watching TV, and she jumps down from the wardrobe onto the dresser and then from the dresser to a, a stool, from the stool to the ground, and we can hear all of that. We hear thump, 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 thump. Here right. comes Rosie, and right. then a few minutes later, she comes tromping into the living room going, hey, it's time for me to eat something. Come and watch me eat, because she likes that for some reason. <laughs> Weird. But we can absolutely hear anything that's going on upstairs. Yep. Well, yeah. So it, it, it's abnormal. It would be weird to have somebody living in our house and moving around. If they were dead still in the basement behind a bunch of boxes under some under a set of stairs and did not move one inch while we were home, we might not know they were here. Well, okay. So you have to suspend your disbelief a little bit, but I didn't really think of that while I was watching it other than the occasional like footsteps. Um, <clears throat> but you better check under the boxes that are under your basement stairs right now. Cause well, that's the thing is that there is no, <laughs> since I have my office in the basement, there is no space uh, in this house that I don't frequent on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. The, the most, the, the least frequent in space in this house is the furnace room. And I'm in there once a month, maybe. That's so it. That's the only place. Yeah. Why would I go into the furnace room? I don't know. Why not check on your furnace? Well, it's the middle of July. It's off. Yeah. It's, it's, it's off. <laughs> so yeah, there's nothing going on in the furnace room. I go in there every once in a while for whatever reason. It's a hot water tank and a furnace. To lie down Weep that, silently. That's where, that's where I cry with my shirt off. That's right. That's right. But I only do that once a month or so. Okay, good. That's not too bad. <laughs> right. So that's probably the either under the stairs, because I don't, uh, it's kind of a cubby hole to get in there, and I don't open that cubby hole. There's nothing under there. So there's lots of room for somebody to put a mattress down and, you know, watch their TV or what have you. <laughs> but there's no real space in this house that I don't frequent on a regular okay. basis. Well, Regardless, these are big houses in Spain, so maybe it's it's a little easier. But back to the movie, I liked the flip flop of it to see him being terrorized and then him being the terrorizer, I guess. The tenderizer, no, the terrorizer. And what was the motivation behind him wanting to live in the house? Okay, so I understand that he is afraid of his house and doesn't want to live in there because mm-hmm. he moved into his car for a while yeah. and he wanted to get arrested so that he could sleep in a jail cell. Yep. Uh, he wanted that to happen. So I understand him not wanting to be in his house, mm-hmm. but why did he want to be like rent a friggin' hotel? There's gotta be, there's, there's at least one hotel in Spain, right? I'm sure there's at least one. Yeah. So rent a hotel. Man. Well, I'll be honest with you. This is part of the film that I didn't quite understand. So what happens is he, 
there's there's an accident he someone dies he he you know it's it actually is an accident but he goes and uh he's in the police office police station as you said and he's trying to sort of talk them into arresting him or at least keeping him there to, for questioning but the police are like nope it was an accident you could you're free to go right while he's in that uh police station he sees a woman uh in another like office through a window yes. he sees her and she's the woman whose house he moves into, but he doesn't seem to move into her house for any other reason than, than chance because he draws a picture of the man who he thinks is living in his house. Cause he saw his face when he, when he opened the door at the beginning of the movie to let him in, to use the phone, to use the phone. Yeah. And so later on in the film, when he goes a bit crazy, he drives away in his car, sleeps in it overnight, has the picture with him, throws it out the window. Some kids pick it up and he hears them talking about, oh, that guy lives in the house down the street. So then he goes to investigate that place, sneaks in. And I understand his reason for doing that. Like, it makes sense to me that he'd go find this other house. He'd be so curious about who this person is. He'd sneak in and want to find out more about them. And then he's already in the house when the, when the woman comes home and he just kind of goes with it, right? He's been, he's lost it. He's like, I was being terrorized and now I'm going to do the same thing. Like, I'm not saying he sort of thought like that for revenge, but I don't think, I don't understand why we saw her in the police station when, and he didn't, and that had nothing to do with how he ended up at her place. You know what I mean? So, okay, so maybe we can piece this together. So this guy that he thinks is living in his house mm -hmm. lives, like where he actually lives is in this house with the lady in the wheelchair. Yeah, it's it's nearby. It's down yeah. the street. But that's where he lives. That's right. He's this woman's wife. No, husband. he's this woman's husband. Yes. They're married. They're spouses. Right. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so this guy is living, is snuck into his, Felix's house and he's sneaking around and Felix feel, shoots him. Eventually he, Felix comes home with a gun, um, sort of, you know, encounters somebody in the dark of his attic and yeah. fires randomly at him and then runs away. But that doesn't make any sense. That happened after the lady died by accident. It did. So the lady in his, the lady, I, I don't know, this may not make a lot of sense to people, but yes, he, uh, he, he shoots a guy in the house. He shoots somebody in his house, doesn't know who it is, runs away. And then he goes with the picture to the car and figures out that, you know, the picture he drew is someone who lives in the neighborhood. So he goes there. So there's, there's, there's that confusion as to what was the point of him seeing her in the, in the police station I think she was reporting her husband missing because he had, she hasn't seen him for a couple of days because he, this guy has been living in Felix's house for a couple of days for some reason. Well, so we think, right. So she's reporting him missing, yeah. but then it's a coincidence that he ends up at her house. It's not like he saw her in the police station, overheard yes. the conversation and then yeah. goes there to investigate. That would make more sense to me. So he, it's a coincidence that he ends up there. Um, which I didn't quite buy. Um, so getting him to that house didn't work for me, but once he was in it, I liked the parallels or the anti-parallels from the first half of the movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whatever. So for some reason, okay, so he goes there by by accident, or not by accident, but due to a coincidence, and then decides that he's going to live there 
Secretly. Because he needs a pl- secretly, because he needs a place to stay. He and does. This lady's in a wheelchair, and uh, he can exploit that. Yes. By sneaking around the house because she is, uh, it's quite obvious where she is at any given moment. Right. And she doesn't, she doesn't have the mobility to run up the stairs to, so anytime she's going up or down the stairs, he's got a few minutes warning. Right. That she's, he knows exactly where she is. Right. Because he's an amateur house stalker. So not he, like the guy that snuck into his house who seems to be some kind of. He's a professional. A savant. Right. <laughs> um. So all I'm trying to say is getting him to that second house didn't make any sense to me. But once he was in it, I was fine with it because of the way it bookended the movie, sort of. Um, uh, so there was that. And then ultimately the ending didn't really work for me because, again, it wasn't. They went for the ultra dramatic ending. Yeah. Holy shit, that's a weird twist. There's a tunnel between this lady's house and his house, and the guy that was he thought was living in his house is in the tunnel and dead. And dead. For I was some reason. I was reading online that that he died of like he had a, like he was diabetic and he died from complications due to his diabetes. <laughs> I, I but I didn't get that from the movie. So No. <laughs> so I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> you know, it's it's entirely possible, Jason, that the subtitles didn't quite that we watched this with didn't quite communicate everything we needed to know. Oh, right? so whoever was writing the subtitles was fucking with us. Except that the subtitles came from the DVD that I owned of this movie. So they may have just been not great subtitles. Now, I didn't get that at all, but you're right. So it turns out that her husband, there's a tunnel between the two houses. Her husband was dead in that tunnel just at the wall of Felix's basement. Um, I didn't mind that. I think that's an interesting twist. Like, there's a tunnel. Wow, what does that mean? Like, what the hell was actually going on here? It was a professional tunnel. Like, it was wide. Yes. It was well built. It was bricked in. It had arch ceilings. It had, like, right-angled corners. It was well lit. Yeah. It was a beautiful tunnel to have between two random houses yeah, Totally. In Spain. I don't know why it was there, but I'm okay with it being there. I think it's an interesting thing like like imagine if there's a random tunnel between two at your house and someone else's house in your neighborhood like that'd be weird but like it would make for all kinds of good suspense (laughs) um i'm not i actually don't want to reveal how the movie actually ends um because if someone wants to go watch it at this point you know there'll still be a surprise but uh one thing i didn't understand and i'll be honest i didn't even pick up on this while i was watching the movie credits roll and i find out that the two primary female characters in this movie, the woman in the wheelchair, Claudia, whose house yep. he moves into, and his girlfriend, Vera, who yep. he's broken up with, played by the same actress. I noticed that. It was the chin. There was uh, some kind of scarring on her chin. I'm like, isn't that the same lady? It wasn't That's nearly this- as prominent, though, on Vera, the girlfriend, as it was on Claudia. I noticed it on Vera. Huh. I did. And when I first saw Claudia, or first... Uh, not in the police station. I thought she was a different person. But when we first got to uh, Claudia's house, I'm like, I think that's the same lady. Well, I didn't realize it watching the movie. Then I'm like, same actress. What the hell? So another thing I'm not clear on is, are they supposed to be twins? Are they supposed to be related at all? Is it just one of those things where, like, the father in Peter Pan is always played by the same actor as Dr. Hook? I mean... Dr. Hook? Dr. <laughs> Dr. Hook's a band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they did, uh, Captain Hook, uh, I mean. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
Captain Hook. It's always played by the same actor because Captain Hook is a representation of the father, right? Have you picked a song for this episode yet? No. Cover the Rolling Stones by Dr. Hook. That's uh, that's what you got to put on there. Okay. I don't know if I'll do a song for this one, but maybe I will now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I wasn't sure that what the significance of that was, and I'm, I'm, I'm still not sure. But uh, I don't know either. I was like I said, I thought I'm like, I think that's the same actress or same lady. And then obviously I was mistaken because that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And it wasn't part of the plot or the story. Uh, but now that you say that, it makes me, you know, it makes me think somebody is dead. Is Felix dead the whole time? No, Did he die? No, Felix isn't. And I don't think anybody. Is this a whole thing in his mind? I don't think absolutely any... everything. He's uh, he's longing for his ex girlfriend, so he uh, is having a mental breakdown and imagines noises in his house and asks her to stay. But then there's, there's all the mixed feelings, and she won't stay, and so she ends up going. And does he imagine or make up another scenario where he can take control of the situation rather be, rather than being the victim of it, and then imagines that he is in control of this situation and has his girlfriend. And he needs to, in order to prevent her from going, from leaving him, he gives her the inability to leave mm-hmm. by putting her in a wheelchair. See, this is these are all fantastic theories, right? Like he's losing it and he, yeah, he invents this scenario where he's now with her, but not really. And it's brought on by his original paranoia of, of thinking there's someone in his house. Um, it, I mean, it turns out he did shoot somebody, right? Yeah. Uh, Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I guess we don't. He, but really did know. he? <laughs> yeah, I guess we don't really know. Um, so, I mean, at the very least, it has provoked a lot of thinking and and talking. This this film because there are definitely some questions. So, I don't know. Uh, overall, the movie, most of the movie worked really well for me. Just a couple of missteps that sort of made it a little bit unclear. And then the ending, the very ending for me was. They just went too far. They didn't need to go. They didn't need to go there if like, you know, without saying actually where there is. They didn't need that last scene. No, I they think didn't. of the film. Um, what they did. not sense to me either. No, what they did was, you know, everything else was enough. And they tried to put in a little too much at the end, I think. So um, I think people should go check it out and maybe help us understand this movie if they can. I understood this movie more than I understood Enemy. I've never seen didn't see Enemy. Oh my god, sit your ass down and watch that movie and then we'll talk about it and maybe I'll try and explain it because there are discussion groups on what the ending may mean. Right. <laughs> Is that the one where he plays two characters like one guy looks just like him? That's right. He encounters an actor that looks just like him. Okay. He's like that's weird. There's an actor that looks just like me. There's another Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Maybe it's that one that I that I put on on a plane once. It was available on the in-flight entertainment system. And the movie opens with some kind of orgy scene, and I immediately turned it off because that's too embarrassing to watch on a plane. Orgies on a plane are not, not good. You, you don't put disaster movies on a plane, and you don't put porn on a plane. No orgy movies, no. Because it's just awkward to watch. That's what I mean, awkward. You know, people can see your screen if there's a lot of weird sex going on. Was and, that the uh, the one where he was a photographer? I don't know. I forget. It was another Jake Gyllenhaal movie from a couple of years ago. I have to look it up. Anyhow, the uninvited guest, check it out. Um, 
and uh, let us know what you think. I'd be I'd be very curious, and it, you know, if anyone out there has some good explanations and or theories, yeah, um, you know, that would be it. Anyways, man, that movie really prompted a long conversation. That was like half an hour on the uninvited cool, guest. Cool, cool. <laughs> so, all right, uh, that's gonna do it. Thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll be back. Like I said, maybe one more time before San Diego Comic-Con, but if not, we will definitely be talking about that trailer. We can't not do that. Um, I've been so out of frigging control busy at work that I'm starting to think I need a new job, but not really, <laughs> not really. I like my job. It's just been bonkers lately. That's why the podcast has been a little bit uh, on the back burner for a couple of weeks, but I hope no, we should do. I hope that doesn't continue. What should we do? You and me, we should open up a video store, oh, rent man. DVDs. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> It'd be so retro. <laughs> I can't believe there aren't more, well, there aren't more video stores in general, but I can't believe there aren't like video store podcasts where some, there probably are. Some, somebody, a couple of guys work at a video store and they do a podcast about the movies they watch while they sit there or rent and watch. I don't That's know. It's a great idea. So... Um, yeah. So anyways, that's it. The, I apologize for the crazy podcast schedule lately. There was all kinds of stuff I wanted to do this summer and it's just, you know, the, the job that pays my living has to sometimes come first because there'd be no podcast without that. And there'd be a lot of nothing without that. So Cause there'd be no living without that. There'd be no living. So yeah. So I do have to prioritize that sometimes, but, uh, anyways, we'll, we'll hopefully get back onto a regular schedule uh you know i'll get back to a regular work life balance hopefully soon and not just yeah. be all work all the time so your mid to late 60s is probably what you Fuck should plan for that. <laughs> i'm only 41 man i want to be i want to have a good work life balance before then uh incidentally if there are any toronto area area web developers or <laughs> people with experience with uh you know producing digital projects Call me up. We might be looking for you. That was a pay. Maybe I'll switch jobs. Uh, I don't know. I'm not in charge of hiring, but if I know anyone, I could put in a good word. All right. Well, if it pays uh, six, you know, high six, low seven figures, I'm in. <laughs> high six, low seven. No problem, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not a small company or anything. Anywho, no one cares about that. But if you want a job, call me up. <laughs> uh, all right. So if you want to get in contact of, with us, you can certainly do that by um, visiting TalkingDeadPodcast.com and clicking on Send Voicemail to send us a voicemail right from the microphone on your computer. You can find us on Twitter at TalkingDead or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TheTalkingDead. You can, of course, send email to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. And uh, please use our Amazon link when you do all your shopping at Amazon. Visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon and click on the country of your choice. Amazon for all your coloring book needs. That's right. When you go to buy your Walking Dead coloring books, hats, t-shirts, underwear, anything, do it at Amazon. <gasps> Walking Dead underwear? Oh, I'm sure you can get Rick Grimes' oh, face on your crotch if you want. <laughs> I'm looking for that. <laughs> Why not, man? Why not? All right, uh, I think that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. We'll see you next time. End of thing. Good night. <laughs> I don't believe it. That, that, uh, uh. Don't touch me. Hey, Ray. Hey, Sugar. Tell them who we are. Well, we're big 
rock singers, we got golden fingers, and we're loved everywhere we go. That sounds like us. We sing about beauty and we sing about truth at $10,000 a show. Right. We take all kind of pills to give us all kind of thrills, but the thrill we never know. It's the thrill that'll get you when you get your picture on the cover of the Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone. Wanna see my picture on the cover? Wanna buy five copies for my mother? Wanna see my smiling face on the cover of the Rolling Stone? That's a very, very good idea. (laughs) I got a freaky old lady named a cocaine kitty who embroidered. On my jeans, I got my poor old gray hair.